understanding that weird book of Revelation, part 22, the title tonight, what you need to know about God's coming judgment. We're coming now to chapter 18, Revelation chapter 18, and I'm going to read a fairly lengthy passage of scripture, and I think, because if I don't read it, there's a connection with some other passages that I want to read in just a few minutes, and you won't see it if I just refer to this text, but if I read it, I think you'll see some similarities and a point that that I want to make in just a little while. So Revelation 18, we finished 17 um, two Sunday nights ago, picking up Revelation 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, John talking about his vision, having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory. That's just an angel. So when it talks, you can imagine now, when it talks about our Lord, the whole earth being full of his glory, this is just an angelic being. And there's something about him. This is not one of those wimpy little angels you hang on your Christmas tree. This is an angel who, as soon as he shows up, the planet starts to glow. Okay, you getting what I'm saying here? This is just an angel. The earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So you have, it's not a woman and it's not a city. Those are both pictures of what Babylon represents. And if you remember, we're looking now at the three agencies empowered by Satan, the dragon, Revelation 12. And they are Antichrist and the political structures in the end time. They are the false prophet and the religious structures, particularly an easy tolerance, a de-emphasizing of sound truth. So, Antichrist, political structures, false prophet, religious structures, Babylon, the seduction of the pull of the world and all sorts of, of immoral activity. And it affects, now Babylon, it affects the kings of the earth. By that I mean... Immorality that gets structured into the laws of the land. Kings of the earth have committed, and then merchants of the earth growing rich. It's, it's business. There's money in it. Verse 4. <clears throat> then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people my people lest you take part in her sins lest you share in her plagues so there's this plea for God's people to to not just reject but to distance themselves for her sins are heaped high as heaven and God has remembered God has remembered her iniquities it didn't look like it for a long time still doesn't 
Pay her back as she herself has paid back others. Repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she has mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart, she says, I sit as queen. I am no widow. Mourning I shall never see. There's, there's, a, there's a side to the things of this world that looks indestructible. It's going to go on like that forever. Who can stop it? God's not judging anything. Doesn't look like it. Look at the world today. Look at the immorality. It's just going to go on. Who's going to stop it? Eight. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. Do you remember now? I talked about seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls all continuing right up to the end. And I've been saying for 22 weeks that the wrath of God, these bowls of the wrath of God, get poured out very cataclysmically, very suddenly, right at the end. It's not stretched out. And you start to see it now as you come to the end of the book of Revelation. Plagues will come upon her in a single day. Death and mourning and famine. She will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God. We just sang about it who has judged her and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, for in a single hour, see it again? Bang, it's going to be. Your judgment has come. 11. The merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her. No one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves. That is human souls. People get sucked up, caught on it, and they don't, they don't think it's slavery, but... But it is. All of those things listed. The prosperity. Remember, John is seeing this in a vision. So naturally, material prosperity is seen in terms of John's time. He's not talking about stocks and bonds and mutual funds. And, but it's, it's in the things that of that time would have equated with what wealth was all about. 14. The fruit for which your soul has longed has gone from you. All your delicacies, your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. It didn't look like it. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will, will stand afar off in fear of her torment, weeping, mourning aloud. They, they sense judgment and they know they're going to be involved. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen. And you get this mixed metaphors. It's a city but the description is like of a garment. Well, cities don't wear clothes. People wear clothes. So it's a, it's a woman, it's a harlot, it's a city, it's a mountain. And when we looked at it last time, great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and with pearls. For in, here it is, in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid to waste. And the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all those whose trade is on the sea stood afar off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her, now it's a her, smoke of her burning. 
What city was like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, alas, alas, for the great city where, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth for in a single hour she's been laid waste. And then this, verse 20, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. And it's a tricky phrase, but your mind ought to go, oh yeah. Remember those martyred, slain souls under the altar way back at the beginning of the book crying out, how long, how long, O Lord, before you avenge? God has given judgment for you against her. 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. Can you imagine John seeing this vision? And threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. Today, no one knows exactly where Babylon was. Amazing. The sound of harpists, musicians, of flute players, and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. The sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. The light of the lamp will shine in you no more. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard in you no more. Your merchants were the great ones of the earth. All the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Wow, what a passage of scripture. What do you do with it? The chapter continues this theme of the judgment of Babylon. The angel had pronounced to John. This angel said that he would show John the coming judgment on, if you looked at 17.1, the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, Babylon. So, so it's predicted. John, I'm going to show you this. You're going to see it. And now John will see both the fall of Babylon and the reaction of those who witness it. First, John will be shown the reaction of kings and merchants of the earth. And then he'll be shown the reaction of the people of God at the destruction of Babylon. So these three agencies, Antichrist, the false prophet, Babylon, they, they function so closely together under the power of Satan, especially in the last days, that I, my own opinion, and I can't, I can't prove this, I don't suppose, my own opinion is that it's not always possible to know where one begins and another ends off. And I don't think we're intended to sort of cookie, cook, cookie cut, that's what I'm trying to say, the book of Revelation that way. John's painting in pictures. He's not writing an essay. And so chapter 17, we studied two weeks ago, it can treat the fall of Babylon as an already accomplished fact. And chapter 18 picks it up and shows that it's yet to come. That doesn't bother John. He's, he's got these visions and he's just recording as quickly as he can what he sees. And the visions... Unlike our interests, the visions aren't so much concerned with chronology, though everybody gets that way when they study Revelation. The visions aren't so much concerned with chronology as with theology. The meaning of the things that are happening is more important than the timing of them in the book of Revelation. 
and how to avoid being deceived. Okay, point number one. The judgment of Babylon and its reason. It's in the first three verses. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations, this is global, all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. The kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. They're buying in, the leaders. And the merchants of the earth, businesses are being built around this, getting rich. So John's vision unfolds a picture of Babylon. Not in her present splendor, but the vision is how she looks after the judgment. And so John sees the future in chapter 18. He sees this vision, but he sees it as though it has already happened. That's what he's seeing. And he can't believe the contrast between the might and the splendor of Babylon before and what she looks like after. The before is in 17.4. He sees this woman arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And the way she looks after, 18.2. Fallen is Babylon the great, dwelling place for demons, haunt for every unclean spirit, unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. So you notice there's, there's the appearance. What, what are we supposed to get out of this? 17.4.18.2, the contrast. Well, there's the appearance of iniquity and how it looks on the outside. Even now. How sin can be dressed up. And then the ultimate end of it. And you, you don't see the end of it in the beginning of it. You don't see what it's really like in the appearance of it. Isn't that the way temptation works? But the real thrust of John's vision is the reason for such destruction. It's in that third verse of chapter 18. All the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. That verse, 18.3, what it does is it kind of repeats the sin of Babylon that was already mentioned, if you think way back, in Revelation 14.8. Another angel, a second, followed saying, same words, fallen. Fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. A direct quote. So not only is Babylon rich, and excessive in her material and sensual pursuits, but she engages others in her own sins. So, so Babylon is, is, a, is a recruiter. If, if Antichrist and the false prophet will represent persecution, Babylon represents enticement. It's the nature of her sins. That's, that's why she's repeatedly called a prostitute. It's, it's her very business to feed on sinful inclinations. Very 
appropriately. John pinpoints those most vulnerable to Babylon's temptations. He specifically cites the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth. So those two groups will be aligned with Antichrist and the false prophet Babylon in this end time kingdom. Point number two. There's this plea for separation given to the godly. It's in four and five. I heard another voice. This isn't the same angel now. It's another voice from heaven. We're not told who said it. Is it Jesus? Is it another angel? We, we, we don't know. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Lest you take... Lest you take part. If you don't come out, you will take part. If you don't put distance, you will take part. There's nothing gained by closeness to this kind of sin. Come out lest you take part in her sins and lest you share in her plagues. For her sins have heaped up. You get the picture of a garbage dump. Heaped up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, here's why I took the time to read that whole passage at the beginning. As you read through, there's something we've seen before, but you might not have noticed it. We're seeing it again, and now I want to draw our attention to it. As you read through the visions of Revelation, you see an interesting thing happening. All of these visions about the future, they're framed and worded in such a way that were pointed to similarities with God's judgment in the past. Here's what I mean by that. We've already seen, for example, those around the throne. I took time to mention it in Revelation 15, 3. They sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And the idea behind that song is you see see the unfolding of redemption right through the Old Testament into the New. It's a celebration of God's complete plan and its fulfillment in Christ. The song of Moses and the Lamb. And then when we looked at Revelation 15 and 16 and we looked at those plagues that were poured out, they're almost, the list is not quite, but it's almost an identical list with the plagues poured out on Egypt when they held Israel captive. But Egypt wasn't the only period of captivity in the Old Testament. If you know your Old Testament history at all, there were three Old Testament and New, three prominent periods of, of uh, judgment, captivity, and domination of Israel. Egypt, the first. Babylon was the second. And then Rome in 70 AD was the third. So when John wrote the Revelation, Israel was just experiencing the persecution and judgment of the Roman Empire. That's why much of Revelation is kind of framed in this image of Rome and its emperor. The early church probably would have read much of this and thought of their suffering under Rome at that time. But all three periods, Egypt, Babylon, and Rome, All three periods of judgment are used throughout the whole book of Revelation as models. So so God's final work, here's the point. 
there's still judgment coming. God will still have to protect his people during that time of judgment. Those things are yet to be unfolded. God's final work will be distinct from these previous periods of judgment, but will have similarities with them. And what you're witnessing, what you're witnessing, and I hope you get this, is the incredible condescending love and wisdom of God. Not only does he speak to a church like Cedarview. So here we sit. You, you know, you got pretty nice, comfortable padded chairs. You know, heat and air conditioning, lights, good music. It's very comfortable. Here we sit. And we're reading this Revelation 18. And you think, well, this just sounds like from another planet. For all of us. And it seems far away and it seems remote. And you don't want to say it out loud, but you wonder, is this... Like, can this really happen like this? And you're, you're witnessing in the way God frames these visions. And in the way he describes his coming judgment in terms of the previous judgment in Egypt, Babylon, Babylon and Rome. That God doesn't just ask you and me to take his word for the fact that he's going to judge. He points all of our eyes back to previous visible demonstrations of it. And says, it's going to be like that. Don't wonder about this. You've seen me do this before. And he even frames the visions in language of previous periods of his judgment on the earth. And nowhere is this practice more obvious than all these references. Revelation 17 and 18. All these references, this end time hub of godlessness and temptation and perversion could have had any name at all, right? Why Babylon? Why not Vegas? Why Babylon? Because for these early Christians and for much of us who take time to read our Bibles, Babylon is clearly the handiest picture of what this end time power will be like. It's going to be like that. And the angel calls the church to separate herself from Babylon so that she won't receive her plagues. Remember, like in Egypt... And then I heard another voice, 18.4, from heaven. Come out from her, my people, lest you take part in her plagues. And immediately, immediately, the people to whom this letter was first read with John's take on the visions that he received, the people who first heard this, come out so you don't receive her plagues, you know what they would have thought of? They would have thought of Jeremiah 51. This is what they would have thought of. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Now this is literal Babylon. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. Do you see the similarity here? For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. The repayment he is rendering her. Babylon has a golden cup in the Lord's hand, making all the earth drunken. The nations drank of her wine, therefore the nations went mad. So 
when those first Christians read these words from Revelation 18, where the warning is, you come out from Babylon, lest you share in her plagues, they would have immediately said, oh, that, that's, like, that's like Babylon. That's like what Jeremiah talked about. Oh, that's what's going to be happening. Something very important. This is the reason you and I, Gentile Christians living in 2018, living under the new covenant, that's why we still have Old Testaments in our Bibles. That's why we bring them to church. Just as Israel was called to separate herself from literal Babylon through the prophet Jeremiah before God poured out his judgment, so you and I, the body of Christ, we need to know that story. We need to be aware of that example because it's going to be repeated. Don't miss the forest for the trees here. There's a message for today's church. Rather than try to pinpoint, I, get, I, I read books and articles and people trying to pinpoint end time Babylon on the map and I think, could you miss the point by more? I mean, could you miss the point by more? I think John and Jesus would both be horrified to see people doing that. We should take this truth to heart. Church, if, if, you, if you're going to live like Babylon, you're going to perish like Babylon. That's the take home. That you and I can't just have a name that we're spiritually alive. Point number three, we're almost done. The justice of God's judgment. Six through eight. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others. Repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she has glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow. Mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. I want you to see this end time warning as it's framed in the Old Testament literal judgment of Babylon. If you look Isaiah, is that in your notes? Isaiah 47, 7 to 10, is that reference in your notes? You tell me if this doesn't, this is just exactly the same. This is, this is the Lord now cautioning the judgment coming on literal Old Testament Babylon through the prophet Isaiah. You said, I shall be mistress forever. I'm not going to be a widow. I'm not going to be in mourning. So that you did not lay these things to heart or remember their end. Now, therefore, hear this, you, you lover of pleasures who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one beside me. I shall not sit... I shall not sit as a widow, direct quote, or know the loss of children. These two things shall come to you in a moment. In one day, the loss of children and widowhood shall come upon you in full measure, in spite of your many sorceries and the great power of your enchantments. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray, and you said in your heart, I am and there is no one beside me. Now, John uses the very same words of Isaiah for a very distinct purpose. 
this angel gives this revelation to John. John records it. And our Lord wants the readers to know that this kind of blind, arrogant stubbornness that's going to manifest itself predominantly in the last days is not new. It's manifested itself before in exactly the same fashion, and God judged it. And so this angel is saying to John, this isn't guesswork, John. This Babylon, this end-time Babylon, you can go and read about Babylon, the nation in the Old Testament who said exactly the same things. That's the reason this, this prostitute, this people, this city, this mountain, it's it, a sea, it's also called a sea, but that's why Babylon gets the name because the similarities between this and what has already happened through Babylon in the Old Testament. It's so we can see it more clearly, more easily, more simply. Nobody, nobody thought that the mightiest nation at that time, Babylon, no one ever thought Babylon would be taken over by anybody ever. The idea seems so ridiculous that many Jewish people partnered with Babylon, didn't even want to go back to Jerusalem, thinking that their best bet for security and prosperity and happiness was in Babylon. Babylon was safe. Babylon was secure. Babylon would endure. Nobody even knows where it is anymore. God's future judgment will be just like that. Just like that. And we'll look at more of it next week.